Dodgers pulls up, three-pointer. Bang! Bang! It's good! Dodgers wins the game at the buzzer! hits, nothing is off the table. This is No Boundaries with Zach Donaldson and Connor Griffin, live on Tom Radio. What's up, danger? Like, what's up, danger? Can't stop me now! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to No Boundaries, right here on Tom Radio. Episode 6, I think? I might be 5. I don't know. It's been a great schedule. Should be 6, but it's 5. 5 and a half. But Connor Griffin here, joined by Zach Donaldson. A special guest in studio, Connor Donahue. Spells his name the right way. C-O-N-N-O-R, correct? Yes? All right, cool, cool, cool. C-O-N-N-O-R. Very excited to have him in. He will be shadowing us tonight. Uh, We'll have him on in a little bit to give his thoughts on some football. And uh, very excited to have him. In the studio, socially distanced. We're all in the studio, which is very, very nice. A nice change of pace considering the last couple of weeks, months. Zach, mm-hmm. how are you feeling today? You doing all right? Indeed, yeah. I mean, I'm feeling solid. It feels good to be back in here. You know, it feels a little bit foreign. Like you said, it's been like three weeks, almost a month. Feels like longer. Um, busy day for me. Big news broke on the Penn State front. That I think we're going to kick the show off with a little bit talking about. Uh, this was something that, honestly, it makes this show so much more fascinating because I, I like coming in with a structure. I like having the outline. But the shows where something wild happens like a couple hours before and we have to ditch the outline and we have to start off with like a breaking news story, like those are the best. I like having the structure, but at the same time I like breaking the structure every now and then. We're breaking the structure here today because Pat Chambers – Nine years as Penn State heads men, heads men basketball coach. That makes no sense. Men's head basketball coach. There we go. Nine years with the program. He has stepped down. Sandy Barber, obviously the Penn State athletic director, confirmed the resignation, received it, accepted it, and he has stepped down. Apparently he was under investigation for a couple of months after uh, the, the noose comment with Razier Bolton was revealed to the public. It was in the undefeated story. Uh, Razier Bolton Put that out there in the public, even though that was, what, a year and, and some change after the comment was actually made about the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nonetheless, July, late July, it comes out that this comment was made. Penn State launches an investigation into Pat Chambers' behavior. And after the investigation, we now have this situation where Pat Chambers resigns. Still a lot of stuff to, to come out of the weeds with it. But, Zach, your, your first reaction to this colossal breaking news story. Everything was going so well for Penn State basketball. Mm-hmm. Then Corona hits, no yep. March Madness. <laughs> then this hits, Pat Chambers. Now Pat Chambers is gone. Your thoughts? See, that's what that's what's so heartbreaking about it. You got Penn State hoops with probably, arguably, the, the best season that they've ever had in program history, and it gets first squandered by the coronavirus pandemic, and now this Pat Chambers news, which just came completely out of left field. I, would be an understatement it was completely out of nowhere I was I mean stunned um to say the least um but the my, the the first thing my mind shifted to was 
in fact, the Rasir Bolton co- comments, the racially insensitive um, comments that he made toward Rasir Bolton, I should say, um, that came out in July. And at first, I thought, you know, this was just something. It was a, a little bit of a misunderstanding, something that would get swept under the rug. But no, there was um, apparently a ongoing investigation um, that just recently concluded um, sometime in the past couple weeks or so. And then today the news broke that he resigned. And I I, I think if he wasn't going to resign, um, I think he would have been fired. I think he got the, you know, like the ultimatum type treatment. Um, uh, yeah, a Matt, a Matt Clintack type of treatment, perhaps? Stepping down? That's that's fair to say, yeah. Maybe. Accurate. Yeah, it says here in the official press release, Vice President for Intercollegiate Athletics Sandy Barber accepted the resignation of head men's basketball coach Pat Chambers today following an internal investigation of new allegations of inappropriate conduct by Chambers. Jim Ferry will take over as the interim head coach. Uh, yeah, just a, a lot of weird stuff. I will say, and, and we, we didn't really talk about this way back when, when it happened back in July, which seems like it was forever ago. Um, we didn't talk about this in July because we were both not here and we didn't have the show, obviously. I think the way that whole situation was handled was awful, was so bad. Um, you know, I, there was, I was actually talking to somebody who's either in the program, close to the program. I won't say which one, and I won't name this person at all. I won't exactly say what they said verbatim, but they said that they believed in the Andy Pettit rule of screw-ups, where, like, Andy Pettit obviously did steroids, but he just admitted right off the bat, like, yeah, I did steroids. And it just, like, people have forgotten about it. Whereas Roger Clemens, obviously, that's not the case because he was fighting it and fighting it and fighting it. A bunch of other athletes have fought it, and they just look like idiots, and we never forget about it. Andy Pettit, I mean, <laughs> has had no judgment whatsoever in the past couple of years. Uh, so I, I think what this person was alluding to was when this first happened, happened over a year ago, when he first made the comment chambers to Razier Bolton, they should have gotten ahead of it. Or when Razier Bolton transferred to Iowa State, they should have said, yeah, by the way, this is what happened. This is partially why he transferred. We just want to get it out there, and we're going to work towards, like, you know, fixing it. Mm-hmm. Instead, they wait and they wait and they wait until Razier Bolton, a year later, to come out and say something about it. And then Penn State Chambers, they come out and apologize. And it's like, well, oh, so you're only sorry now because he just came out with the story and made you look bad? That Now you're only – like, mm-hmm. it was just – you couldn't come out and apologize a year after it happened. You couldn't come out and apologize waiting for the story to leak. Like, it was just a bad way of handling it, in my opinion. It put even more fault on Penn State, on Coach Chambers, and I think it spiraled into this investigation, which ultimately led to Chambers being, I mean, forced to step down, wanting to step down. He did say this year has been extremely stressful for his family, and it may be something – Outside the realm of basketball, it may be something outside of the news comment that he made to Razier Bolton. We don't know just yet. Yep. Not ruling that out, but as you and I have been talking about for the past couple of minutes, I do think this was kickstarted by this news comment and the way it was handled by the athletic department. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, spot on. You pretty much said everything perfectly. Um, I think if – I mean, I, I guess I understand why it took uh, so long for Razier to come out with – come out with it um it was kind of you know in july um when all the the social injustice movements were 
just everywhere. And, you know, people were um, coming out with their stories and how they've been um, treated insensitively um, in terms of race. Um, so I, I guess the timing does make sense um, when you when you put it in context like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're spot on. He, he, he should have came out and, I don't know, said something. or It should have been handled better, bottom line. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking about how the program's going to bounce back from this. Well, that's the thing, too. I'm, I'm thinking about the program. I'm thinking about the athletic department as a whole because think about the way that this could be portrayed in the media. We're coming yeah. up on the nine-year anniversary of yep. the Sandusky scandal. Coming up on nine years, I mean, it has been a constant, I don't want to say, it, it's, it keeps coming up. Yeah. It keeps coming up. Yes, it's behind us. Yes, obviously the football program has made very significant strides since then. And we are no longer in the age of the scandal, but it still is brought up in conversation. It's in the people, it's in the back of their minds. So you have that where there's this narrative that, you know, you know football coaches are, you know, molesting players. I'm not saying that happened. I'm saying, you know, that's what the narrative is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, you know, people will inflate it and, you know, make it sound so sensational, whatever. Yeah. Now the sensational headline is going to be Penn State let a racist head coach, you know, coach for a year. And then they let him apologize, and then the, like it's just gonna boil down to the fact that they let this you know racist stay as head coach and didn't do anything about it until you know this guy came forward and said, yeah, by the way, he made this comment. That's when they did the investigation, mm-hmm. when they knew about it a year ago. So yeah. that's the problem. Yeah. This is this can be really tweaked, modified in the media, and it's going to be compounded on top of the pre-existing scandal that already happened with the football program that's what i'm worried about absolutely you know one i mean one you got one bad apple one you know miscellaneous instance it just ruins the reputation of the whole the whole school yeah it's just you know it's it's snowball effect that's how that's just how things happen nowadays i guess yeah it's unfortunate but gotta hope for the best We'll yeah. see how things shake off from shake out from here. Exactly. And by the way, yeah, when I say you know they let a racist head coach, I'm just saying that's how it's probably yeah. going to be spun. I'm not saying you know I, I I hope that whatever the investigation uncovered, it was not anything super alarming. I hope the players were not affected by his behavior. I like Coach Chambers. I have always liked Coach Chambers. I wish him the best of luck. Um, and like I said, I hope that this investigation mm-hmm. didn't uncover anything yeah. bad for anybody's sake. But I, I, I do hope that he's able to rebound. And as you, as I said earlier, he said this was the most stressful time that he's ever had in his career. Yeah. I hope he finds a way to get it worked out and him and his family can get back to, to peace and happiness somewhere aside from Penn State because, as we have said multiple times, he has officially resigned yeah. as Penn State men's basketball head coach. Ditto. Ditto to that. With that, we're going to go to commercial break. We're going to come back. We touched on football a little bit. Obviously, the football team from nine years ago. Now we're going to talk about the 2020 Penn State Nittany Lions hitting the gridiron this weekend against Indiana. We'll be breaking down that game right after these words. It's 6.15 on a Monday night. You're preparing for a Monday night football matchup. Dinner's been cleaned up. You're full. But you don't know where to get your pregame coverage? Well, my friend, you've come to the right place. 
You heard the men. Tune into Com Radio. It's New York State of Mind. Live every Monday at 6.15. Locally owned and operated in downtown State College since 1976 offers everything Penn State for every Penn Stater. At Lions Pride, we are Penn State. On Wednesday nights from 7.30 to 8.30, join four beautiful gentlemen that Com Radio has to offer in Chris Hess, Jeremy Schooler, Nate Pullen, and Danny Murray on Hockey Night in State College as they break down all things college and NHL. That's 7.30 to 8.30 on Wednesday nights right here on Com Radio. You're listening to No Boundaries with Zach Donaldson and Connor Griffin, live on Com Radio. And we're back here on Com Radio, No Boundaries, Episode 6. Connor Griffin, Zach Donaldson, Connor Donahue joining us in studio. So we just covered a, a very hard-hitting Big J Journo story where we had to be very serious. Now we can get a little bit lighter because football is back. Thank you. Goodness. Let's go. It's finally here. Saturday, 3.30 on FS1 and on Com Radio, dare I say. Connor Griffin, a.k.a. Go. me, and Chris Hess, Bobber himself, we will be calling the game uh, from Innovation Park. We will be calling it off of the FS1 stream. So if you guys are watching at home and you're like, dang, these announcers on FS1 are really boring, keep the game on, just mute it, and then turn on Bobber and me, and we will give you the correct commentary, the correct play-by-play, much better than the professionals out there in the uh, you know the big time you know adult world, whatever you want to call it. We're we're gonna do a good job. We're gonna have lots of fun. So definitely tune into that. But perfect time for a plug. I I thought well, it was a perfect time. You're right. I, I think it was. A, <laughs> I think it was a really good plug, Love and it. I, I think it was definitely warranted. So, Indiana. Yeah. A lot of stuff to talk about in this game. I, I think first and foremost, we should talk about another huge story, which actually I, I said we were going to start off light talking about football. This is a little bit more serious. Journey Brown. Yeah. Journey Brown. There were rumors. There, there was stuff lurking around for a couple weeks that no media member, I didn't see any media member touch it. There was a very prominent elephant in the room with Journey Brown because – there were people close to the program saying, yeah, he's, he's got a serious condition. He's not going to play week one. I heard some people saying a couple weeks ago, he's got a very serious condition. This may be like a career-ending injury. Uh, I was talking to some people, yeah, close to the program, and nobody was talking about it because I think we wanted to wait until it, it got official. You know, people here at Con Radio, people here at all the other student publications, people at, you know, The Athletic and Lines 247. Like, nobody really talked about it until Lines 247 actually came out on Monday and broke the story. Um, no official word yet on what the medical condition is. People are saying it's affiliated with his heart. We're not going to, you know, confirm, deny anything. We're just going to say he's out for week one. We know that definitively he's not on the depth chart. 
Zach, your reaction when you first heard this and what type of impact do you think it's going to have on this season? I mean, <clears throat> once again, completely just shocking. Out of the blue, it was like a, a 12 a.m. Uh, report that Lions 247 sent out. And just I was like, "Are you? this is just out of nowhere. Like n- Nobody was reporting it. Um, just completely unexpected. And like you said, undisclosed medical condition. We don't know um, what exactly it is. I mean, just for, for Journey's sake, I, I hope it's not too severe. And if he can't play this year, he, he, he gets to resume his career at one point or another. Um, but in terms of how it affects the team, thankfully, Penn State has some significant depth at the running back position. There are still guys that can get it done. Uh, Noah Kane is going to be the, the number one back out of the backfield. Um, and then I'm looking at, there's obviously Devin Ford, too, who's, the, who's the number two. I'm looking at the freshman, Kaiseah Holmes, who I think could really step in and do some damage in place of Journey Brown. He's got, he's one, I think he's one of the fastest guys on the team. He's got the speed that Brown has. He's a freshman. I, I, I'm going to be honest, I obviously haven't seen him play yet, so... Um, I don't know exactly how ready he is to you, make it. You, you weren't going to his high school games? Glad no. to know you're committed. Oh, yeah. You, you weren't there in the stands I taking th- notes? I think I had something. I, I think I had a prior commitment. Terrible. I, I know. I'm slacking. <laughs> uh, but no. Um, yeah, I'm like, I think I think Kaiseya Holmes could, could do some damage. Um, but like I said, the running back pool is thankfully pretty deep. There's a lot of guys who can get it done there. Yeah, I and said for a large stretch of last season, I said that Noah Kane was the best back that we had. When, when, yeah, had. when he was in the game, the offense moved the best that I saw it move all year. For the pit game, for Purdue, uh, for Iowa, Iowa, Iowa in particular. Mm-hmm. And then I really didn't see him get a whole lot of touches in the Michigan game. And then from that point forward, it was really Journey's, yeah, journeys time to shine. I mean, Ohio State was huge. Um, yeah, because I think Kane was dealing. He had like some sort of nagging injury. You're right. Like that. Yeah. Speaking of injuries, yeah, n- another mm-hmm. injury that was never really, you know, disclosed, and we we're always left curious. Yeah. Like, what the heck is I going still on? Don't know what it was. There was some stuff, you know, obviously a couple years back with Trace McSorley that they didn't want getting out into the public, mm-hmm. and so it, it's lock and key with with Penn State yeah, football. They never want that, yeah. any medical injuries to to be you know reported on until you know it's obvious. Um, and it was kind of like that with uh, Myron Jones in, in basketball, it too. Was. So, yeah, a lot of sketchiness. No, I'm just kidding. I get <laughs> I know, it. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, I, I thought for a very large stretch that Noah Kane was the best back. And then, yeah, he did have the injury. Um, and then that's when Journey Brown uh, against Ohio State, against Minnesota, and then obviously in the Cotton Bowl, Memphis, that's yeah. when he really came to prominence. And now he is definitively the number one back. But I still think Noah Kane can fill in. Uh, as the starter and do a really good job. And then Devin Ford, I mean, showed spurts of greatness last year in his mm-hmm. limited role, too. So he's going to be he's gonna be returning kicks, Devin I Ford. I saw that. Interesting. Lamont Wade there, too? Mm-hmm. I like it. Would have been. It would have been Micah Parsons, and I'm it, still it so been Micah Parsons. shattered. By the way, can, can I talk about that for a second? I don't know when this video came out, the dance cam video uh, on the, oh, yeah, yeah. the Penn State football social media. It made me really mad to see Micah Parsons there. It really did. I don't know why. I, I, I was just I like, I can relate to that sort of. Yeah, I get, I get where you're coming from. I mean, obviously, like those are his brothers, it's his teammates. Like, you obviously want to be around them. But I was like, dude, like you're gone now. Like, well, why are you sticking around? Like, you're just rubbing it in our faces. I know. I hate it. He did have some good moves though. I do have to give it to him. So, Journey Brown, 
out for this game. Who knows how long he will be out. Could be the entire season. I, as you said, I think the running back core is still, you know, very well off. Um, they, they can definitely Pl- shine. What? Uh, I was going to – I just want to say you got to – when you talk about the running game, you can't forget the offensive line, too, because obviously oh, that's yeah. a, a big component. And I think that Penn State's offensive line this year is going to be exceptional. I think it's going to maybe compete with Wisconsin for the best, uh, right? Oh, my God. Bold no, take. no. What? That's no. what we do on here. We I, get bold takes. Wow. Really? You think I'm it's not, that I'm far-fetched? Not, no, no. I'm not saying it's a bad old line. It's definitely the best O-line that Franklin has had in his time here. I'm not saying it's – yeah, yeah. But to compare it to Wisconsin – I said it's going to compete with Wisconsin. So, I mean, the, it's going to be in the t- in the chatter. The O-line factory of college football, not just the Big Ten, the, of college football. And here we are, year. first year with a solid offensive line who has not proven themselves yet, and you're saying, oh, they're going to compete with Wisconsin. I don't believe that for a second. Experience. You got four out of five starters returning. You got a, a swing man in Des Holmes as a reserve. Plus, I think uh, Troutwine. Is that how you say his last Troutwine, name? Troutwine, yeah. Troutwine. I think, I think he's gonna, um, you know, take these guys to the next level. I, I think I, so I like too. Him. Well, I like him a lot. I think the youngest player uh, is a redshirt sophomore, starting wise. Yeah. Uh, which is, um, yeah, that, that's reassuring. Yep. They're all big. Exactly. They're they're strong, and I I think the fact Hot that Mollies. I'm just, I'm just pointing out generic, you know, trends of O linemen. Yeah, they're big, they're meaty, they're strong. Um, but no, I I think the fact that you're not going to see as many shifting pieces this year, too. Like, we have actual solid, solidified offensive linemen in their own respective positions. Assuming nobody gets hurt, there should not be a whole lot of turnover, and we should have a consistent offensive line that, for the most part, stays the same throughout the entire season. So that is exciting. The scandal and the sanctions obviously played a huge role in why Franklin never really had a consistent offensive line. I think – Lime Grover as well was inconsistent yeah. in his in his coaching nature. So mm-hmm. the fact that they did bring in a new coach in Troutwine and the fact that the sanctions are no longer impeding on Penn State recruiting players and giving scholarships to players, it has now come to fruition that we have a solid offensive line in Happy Valley, which is definitely – I mean, it sounds crazy to get all, like, jazzed up to see the offensive line. I'm very excited no, to see the offensive line. I'm glad same. you brought it up. Yeah, I, I was going to skip ahead because I, I do want to – Shift the focus to, to Indiana a little bit. Definitely. You know, uh, Michael Penix Jr. came out a couple weeks ago and said that they weren't worried about beating Penn State. Said that, you know, <laughs> the Hoosiers could beat Penn State. They're more focused on Ohio State. I respect the guy's confidence. And I will say, he's definitely an underrated quarterback. We haven't seen much of yeah. him because he's had two career-ending, not career-ending, two season-ending injuries in back-to-back seasons. Actually, the first one in his freshman year came against Penn State. Um, so we haven't seen a whole lot of him. But he's definitely a talented quarterback. He's got a chip on his shoulder. I think he's a little bit off his rocker by saying that, you know, they're not worried about Penn State. But who knows? It, it could be a very close game. And Indiana always gives Penn State a tough time. What are you thinking about Saturday? Do you think this is a close game? Well, you mentioned Michael Penix Jr. I think this this is a guy who has been – you know, just a, a, a top a top of the line, like top notch player for for the majority of his life. Right. Um, I think that's just in with him, you know, not seeing the field, not be, not being able to stay on the field for the past couple of years. I think it's it's he's just amped, ready to go. And of course, you're going to have, you know, faith and confidence in your team that they're going to get it done. Um, 
But for Penn State to uh, win this game, you got to shut him down. I think, I think he's legit. I don't think he's. I don't think he gets talked about enough. Which, I mean, rightfully so. He hasn't done anything on the field uh, to, to really talk about. But you know, he's a big time player, athletic, and he's got an absolute cannon. He's got a great That's deep true. ball, and you know, he he can also extend drives with his legs. Within in with our, we got a, Penn State has a great linebacking core, but it's also young, kind of inexperienced, as well as the secondary. So. I think to win this game, you got to put pressure on Penix Jr., both like in the pass rush, and then if you can do it on the other side of the ball, score points on offense, get them behind, force them to run the ball a little bit, take the ball out of his hands, I think Penn State's going to come out on top. You got a score? 34-20. to 34-20? Final. I'm going to pitch it to Connor Donahue. The mic is being turned on. Mic two in studio. Connor, what's your score prediction? Prediction. I can't even talk today, dude. This is, this is a special moment. Uh, Very special. I said uh, I've noticed a trend in college football this year that defenses have been extremely bad, whether you look in the SEC, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I look at Penn State's defense, and I just see all the talent on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm not really that worried. Mm-hmm. Also, an issue with – like the Bloomington factor that it, playing in Indiana usually tight games. Those games usually happen later October, which is like week seven, eight of the football season. This is the first week. So I honestly think Penn State, it might be close for like the first half, but I think they'll pull away 31 17. You heard it here. Okay, so 34 20, 31 17, you said? I am going to say. You know what? I'm going to go 38. 24. I think we score a lot of points. I'm really excited to see yeah. what Sharaka has in store. I mean, let, let's face it. The offense, production-wise, has dipped ever since Joe Moorhead left and then Ricky Ronnie came into play. I think Sharaka, right off the bat, elevates those numbers. I agree. And I, I, I think too. this is a team that has been very focused. They've been, I mean, on, on a pretty solid track from what we've seen in the public as the media. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in terms of COVID testing and make sure that everybody's staying healthy and being disciplined. And I think that they're ready to go. And I say that, obviously, having never been in the locker room, having never been in a meeting or anything like that, <laughs> I just think that they're ready to go. Yeah, they got to bring it. They have a great social media team, and that's why I think they're ready to go. So with that, we had 34-20, 31-17, We're all saying double-digit victories. And yeah. I, like, I like the confidence. All right. Football is back. Tune in, 3.30, Com Radio, myself, Bobber. Going to be lots of fun. After the break, we'll talk about some less fun football. It's the Philadelphia Eagles. And we're very much looking forward to getting that segment over. You're listening to No Boundaries right here on Com Radio. Tune into more sports every Friday, 12 to 1 Eastern Time, here and only here on Penn State's Com Radio. Why are you running? Why are you running?
Locally owned and operated in downtown State College since 1976 offers everything Penn State for every Penn Stater. At Lions Pride, we are Penn State. We're talking all sports, anytime, anywhere. It's no boundaries here on Com Radio. And we're back here on Com Radio, live from Innovation Park, talking about the Eagles. <laughs> what a season. Uh, NFC as a whole is just abysmal right now. It's actually pretty laughable. But the Eagles, they lost 30-28 to to the Ravens last week. We're down 24-6 to heading into the fourth quarter. And then they have this furious comeback that ultimately comes up short. I can't lie to you. I did not watch a second of this game. I really did not. So Out of choice. What? You chose not to watch the game, or are you Partially. Yeah. Hear me out. First of all, I think it's terrible how State College is considered Pittsburgh Steelers territory. Yes. Whenever there's a game on CBS, because I I don't know if this is true. This is just, like, my theory, and every single time the theory has proven right. If there is – if the away team in a game is an AFC team, that means it's on CBS. If the away team in a game is in the NFC, that means it's on Fox. Every single time I like test that theory, it's true. Interesting. So, obviously, the away team in the Eagles-Ravens game was the Ravens. They're in the AFC, so we had CBS. Steelers were playing an AFC-AFC game, I believe. I think it was AFC-AFC. Yeah, Browns. Yeah, Browns, yeah. right. So, they were on CBS as well, both 1 o'clock time slots, CBS-CBS, and since – we are in Steelers territory. We get Pittsburgh over the Eagles. And the CBS app, I just have to say, the streaming app is terrible. So bad. So I, I couldn't even get it on, like, the stream. I, I was not going to go to an illegal stream whatsoever. Those sketch me out so much. Wasn't going to go to an illegal stream. I was just keeping up with the game. Then, of course, we go down 17 to nothing, heading into halftime. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm not, I'm not watching. I'm just, I'm not even, well, obviously I wasn't watching. I was like, I'm not even paying attention to the rest of the game. Then, of course, the the comeback, and I was like, okay, maybe I should have at least, like, kept tabs on it, you know, checked it out on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But I did not. I apologize. So, Zach, I know. I don't you blame were, you. You were definitely Honestly. keeping up with it more than I was. Well, what did you think about the, the showing last yeah. week? Unfortunately, I was keeping up with it. Right. Um, well, I mean, actually, I'm not even going to say that because, you know, this, this game turned out a lot better than I anticipated. Uh, I remember last week on the show, we, um, you asked me, how much or what percentage that I thought what percentage chance I thought the Eagles had to win and I said maybe 10 and I was pretty confident in that I thought we were the Eagles were going to get blown out um, but it turned out a lot better than I expected Carson Wentz with all the injuries on offense all that he's had to endure put up 28 points against the number two defense in the league a week after he puts up 21 29 excuse me against the number one defense in the Pittsburgh Steelers uh-huh and, I mean, shut out in the first half, comes back in the second half, scores 22 points in the, for- in the fourth quarter, which is the most he's ever scored. I mean, look, I was, I was pretty critical of Wentz to begin the season, but ever since the Bengals tie, I think he's completely done a 180. 
Yeah. I think he's completely turned it around and a single single handedly carried this football team the last three weeks. I mean, these are like these are good teams, and Wentz is the only reason that the Eagles are even competitive in the games. I mean, he's got to cut down on the turnovers. Um, but outside of that, you know, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty encouraged because he's got the heart, he's got the fight, he's got the will, and you know, he he may have had less help last week than he did the week before. Oh yeah, and I mean, he just keeps getting it done. The Eagles are literally missing nine starters and six backups. They're on their six different offensive line combination. And he's putting the team on his back. You know, he's he's doing the same thing that he did last year. And I, I, I don't want to he, – he's worth every penny of his contract. I don't want to hear any different. I don't want to hear anything from these Jalen Hurts stands. Like, I don't want to hear it. Wentz is not the problem. No, absolutely not. Well, you think about it, too. The just historic I – would, I would say it's historic what he did last year to end the season, willing absolutely. the team to an NFC East title. That roster was less injured and less sidelined than this one right now. Like mm-hmm. this is even worse in terms of injuries. This is even worse in terms of the the personnel and the feel. Like these are scrubs. Hate to say it. Oh. These these are scrubs. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, you know, guys like Travis Fulgham have stepped up, and oh. you know, Greg Ward, obviously, who was the practice squad practice squad guy last year. Like he's still you know producing, but these yeah. are these are not NFL stars. These are not you know. Guys that would be wide receiver twos on any other team, you know, let alone ones. I mean, I will say though, Fulgham with that catching a touchdown over Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey, I don't think that's a fluke. He looks really good. I yeah, uh, I he Connor, looks really Connor good. Donahue is is giving me you know like the, he's making hearts with his hands and he's saying oh you know Zach has like a man crush on him on uh, Travis Fulgham. Yeah, maybe Cam Newton, but not Travis Fulgham. <laughs> we could get the cam in a little bit, and I definitely want to bring in Connor in a little bit when we look ahead to the Giants. But yeah, Zach, I'll, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, Miles Sanders. We were talking about the injuries and how this team is even worse off than it was at the tail end of last year. Miles Sanders done for one to two weeks. Mm-hmm. Zach Ertz now out for another month. Uh, not looking good. And yeah, we'll, we'll just shift it to the Giants. Can the Eagles beat the Giants tomorrow, Thursday night, with their two best players offensively aside from Wentz out and this just dumpster fire of a team right now yeah I mean I'll, I'll answer that question but I, I you bring up Sanders he gets hurt he had nine carries last week that's absolutely unacceptable I know you need to implement that you need to implement the run game for it to open up absolutely anything in the passing game especially for guys who have trouble getting open and I understand with the with the the makeshift offensive line that's that's a little difficult uh, to do, you know, to open holes up, but I mean, San- Sanders Sanders gets it done. He's a he's a player. Um, but I mean, yeah, he's sideline this week. The Eagles face the Giants on Thursday night, back in black, oh. all black unis. I think the Eagles are. I'm gonna say six six and zero oh against the Giants in black unis. So that's a little fun fact. Um, and to answer your question, I think. They make it seven and seven and zero. Seven and zero. Both the Eagles and the Giants, obviously not the greatest teams. You look at, you know, you look at the matchups. They're pretty similar, but where I think the Eagles have an edge is the pass rush in Carson Wentz. Yeah, I think those are the two things that win the Eagles this game. Um, I think the 
the the defensive line gets to Jones, maybe fumbles once or twice. He's had some issues with that. For sure. And I think Wentz did the Giants don't Giants defensive line isn't too shabby either, but the pass defense um can be taken advantage of, I feel like, and I think Carson Wentz does that and leads the Eagles to victory. Word. Going off of what you said about Miles Sanders, too, I, I just reminded me of a tweet that my friend uh, Connor Anderson sent out. I'm going to credit him. Uh, Miles Sanders is ranked fourth in the NFL in rushing yards. He has 434 rushing yards, despite being only 20th in attempts. He only has 71 attempts this year. Unacceptable. So yeah, the, nine, the nine attempts last week, definitely a problem. So that tweet came from Connor Anderson. I am Connor Griffin. I'm going to pitch it to Connor Donahue, our resident New York Giants fan. What a rough life that is. Um, we're going to pitch it to him. What are your thoughts, Connor, on the game this week? Or not this weekend. Thursday night, tomorrow night. Well, uh, first off, I want to say Eli Manning has two more Super Bowls, or one more Super Bowl than the entire yeah, Eagles okay. organization. Uh, the Giants are not good in any remote fashion. I know we beat Washington this weekend, but it was not a pretty game, and Washington's even worse than us. It's just life in the NFC East. I do think defensively the Giants have had one of the better defenses in the NFL, actually. The Bradbury signing on the back end and Alec Martinez at linebacker have kind of reinvigorated the defense. And the defensive line with Leonard Williams uh, has has been pretty good. Offensively, as Zach said, the Eagles pass rush is going to be a big issue. The offensive line improved over the last two weeks, I would say. Not enough to deal with that pass rush. Uh, Andrew Thomas, he's, he still has his growing pains, obviously. He was a first-round pick, but he's not going to be perfect yet. The Giants' defense offense has looked a little bit better, actually, since the Barkley injury, I would say. They put up a, a – I don't remember the exact amount of points, but they put up a lot of points on the Cowboys. They put up a decent amount of – or they didn't really, but Devontae Freeman had a good game for the Giants. If I had to put my money on this game, I would still say the Eagles win it because of – Daniel Jones and the offensive line, because I don't think Daniel Jones, he's turnover prone as can be. So, yeah, so I would say the Eagles win this game with relative ease. Okay. Yeah, okay. Connor doesn't have much confidence in his team. No. <laughs> it's evident. Yeah, I, I, I can get that right <laughs> off the bat. I feel very bad I'm for anybody outside of Philadelphia and New York having to – like, this is the Thursday night game. Yeah, no oh, I know, right. This injury-riddled Eagles team versus the New York Giants. Not as bad as the New York Jets, of course, but still very, very uh, upsetting to a national fan just wanting to watch some good football because yeah, I do not think this is going to be good It could football. end up being a very ugly football game. Yeah. All right, so that, that was your in-depth analysis from Connor Donahue. Might have to replace Zach on this show. I don't know. That's fine. Uh, Are you kidding me? <laughs> that. Come on. I'm kidding. You got like, to at least give me, like, tenure. I like that fun sometimes. <laughs> I like that fun sometimes. We're going to go to a break. We're going to talk some more NFL stories. A lot of juicy stuff, as Zach Donaldson said in a text to me earlier today as we were planning out the show. A lot of, a lot of <laughs> juicy stuff to talk about this week. We'll Lots get to that after the break. You're listening to No Boundaries right here on Com Radio. Are you looking for one show to find all your hockey news? That's NHL, college, and all things hockey right here on Com Radio. Hockey Night in State College from 7.30 to 8.30 on Wednesday night with Danny Murray, Chris Hess, Jeremy Schooler, and Nathan Cole. That's Wednesday nights from 7.30 to 8.30 right here on Tom Radio.
Yoma, I miss you. I miss the fried chicken you always make. If only you were here. Homesick hurts. At least you don't have to deal with it all by yourself. Come to The Coop, the Korean fried chicken restaurant in downtown State College. Good food away from home. We'll be here with you. You're listening to No Boundaries with Zach Donaldson and Connor Griffin, live on Com Radio. And we're back here on No Boundaries. Just found out that Connor Donahue and I are pretty much neighbors. Uh, you don't live there, but hey, you know, you're there all the time. Anyway, we won't disclose where we are living because that would be very strange. We don't want any, you know, randos, any narcs finding us. All of our fans. All of our, oh my God, yeah, all of our fans, <laughs> dude. Is your dad listening? Yeah, probably. Really? Yeah. What do you know? My mom is too. Wait, oh, or am I the only she one? Be. Am I the only one who doesn't have their parents uh, listening to the show? Am I the only one who doesn't, you know, probably have the support, the love? love? Come on, man. My mom's our number one fan. Every I... week she tunes in. I gotta call. Hi, well, mom. I know for a fact. I know for a fact. My dad is asleep right now. He goes to bed super early and then wakes up super early in the morning. Uh, my mom, on the other hand, I don't know what she's doing. Um, she's probably doing some some extra work on the. She does like the. Uh, some stuff around the house. I got gotcha. you. She does some, you know, stuff like bookkeeping. She's an accountant. Uh, so, yeah, she does a bunch of other stuff like after office hours and everything. She's busy. So I'm not saying that she doesn't love me. I won't jump to that conclusion just yet. No, nah, we're not saying that. She's just very busy. Um, I'll give her I'll give her a call after this on my laptop because my phone isn't working, which we didn't get into at the beginning of the show. But I just needed to put that out there. I think you yeah. are. I think we talked about this. My yeah. phone isn't working and I had to ship it off to Apple. So. I'll yep. FaceTime her on my on my computer because that's the only thing I can do to stay in touch with people. Anyway, we're gonna keep going with uh, with the NFL talk. Now that we know that uh, you know certain parents are listening, some are not. Let's talk about uh, Brady and Aaron Rodgers. You know, obviously this was an anticipated matchup because people were saying, oh, you know, yeah, Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, but you know, Aaron Rodgers is better right now before Mahomes and before Russell Wilson really took off. That was always the debate, like, yeah, okay, Tom Brady, legacy-wise, will go down as the better quarterback, but is Aaron Rodgers the more talented quarterback? Mm-hmm. We got to see him square off in this game, and it was not even close. 38-10, to 10, Buccaneers just steamrolled the Packers, even though the Packers were the ones who started off with all the momentum. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, they're going to you know run away with this. Me too. Completely opposite. Momentum shifter, Aaron Rodgers threw a pick six. And then that's what led to this just onslaught from the Buccaneers. So Tom Brady having some pretty good success with the Buccaneers, the Patriots, and your boy Cam Newton, two and three on the season. Mm-hmm. Bill Belichick and his squad, they're struggling. Is it too early to say that Tom Brady is winning the divorce with Tampa Bay? Because I've seen this narrative thrown out there in the media. Um, well, yes, I I would say it's too early, but I mean, for the sake of the argument, right now, right now, I would say he's. I, I mean, I would I would say he's winning, but with that said, obviously the Bucks put up thirty eight points. They did what they needed to do, but Rogers was absolutely, you know, he, he got straight up outplayed by Tampa Bay's defense. Two interceptions, one pick six, which you know Aaron Rodgers that never happens. Um, so I don't know, maybe it was a, a little bit of a a mental game uh with him especially i mean they were getting 
Rodgers could barely breathe in the pocket. They were getting pressure on him every play. I mean, Todd Bowles' crew just looked absolutely dominant. Um, and then the Patriots, all, you know, you look at the Patriots, they fell to the Broncos, which one of the worst teams in the NFL. But they also, I mean, Cam didn't look great. He, he didn't look great, and the Patriots go um, with Cam Newton. If he's bad, they're going to be bad. If he's great, they're going to be great. Um, but I think I'm going. I think I'm going to attribute that to maybe this is, you know, just me being the Cam Newton apologist that I am. Um, but I think you got to throw a little bit of that up to the the COVID um, issues that arose in, uh, within the Patriots organization. He he wasn't with the team for two weeks. Didn't get, you know. Uh, didn't get the practice. Um, I'm sure Belichick didn't get to implement uh, all that he wanted to. And, you know, Belich- Belichick is most dangerous when he gets to prepare. So I don't think it's time to panic about the Patriots and declare Brady the, the winner of the divorce, obviously. Um, but right now I'd say Brady does have the slight edge. We'll see how things go from here. Yeah, I got you. When, when you said – uh. The Patriots' problems were due to the COVID, and then you took a quick pause, and then you were like, issues? I thought you were just going to leave it at the COVID. The COVID. Uh, I lo- I, I've heard people say that, and I think it's so funny. They all, thanks the to the COVID. Uh, it uh, makes sense if you replace coronavirus with like COVID. It's it like does. The COVID. It does. The coronavirus. Which we could talk about another time. What's more acceptable, <laughs> saying COVID or coronavirus at this point? I personally say COVID is the more acceptable phrase. But, Same. But I started off saying coronavirus. Yes. Yeah, exactly. and I wouldn't say COVID for like the first month, and now I find myself exclusively saying COVID. It's pretty whack. It's how long this thing's been going on. Crazy how time flies. Speaking of uh, teams that really had some COVID problems, the Titans—they're mm-hmm. doing pretty well now, though. Undefeated on the season, had a thrilling overtime victory on Sunday. I've seen this being thrown around a little bit. Should Derrick Henry be in conversation for MVP right now? It's obviously very early, yeah. But should he be in the conversation? We. It's interesting because I think you could look at two guys on that Titans team and don't make, say Tannehill. I I think it's Derrick Henry over Tannehill, but okay. I think you can make a you can make a decent case for Tannehill. I think he's been he's been playing. He's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You know, he just in terms of consistency and um, you know, just just getting it done, getting it done for his team. Um, but I mean, Derrick Henry just put on another phenomenal showing uh i mean that one run was just absolutely absurd i my my jaw dropped um just a guy that big who can move that fast and and Vrabel just lets him loose he lets him do his thing which i think has uh, done wonders for that titans team so yeah i think you could definitely make a case for henry as the mvp i wouldn't put him above wilson I i probably wouldn't put him like obviously um, but I mean, he's in there, top three, four, five. Hey, I mean, you did say that Penn State was going to have a better offensive line than Wisconsin this year, so <laughs> I, I would not be shocked. I if said you it, I said it would be. I said it would compete. I know. I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I definitely. I, I got to say though, I, I saw a great video on Twitter, and it was breaking down. There was a 12 man on the field penalty. Yeah. Against Tennessee the other day when they were on defense, and it, it gave uh, first down. I, who were they playing? Who were they playing? I can't remember. Who Texan. They, te- thank you. Yeah. They're, they, yeah, they were playing Houston. Um, and it allowed Houston to gain a first down, and 
the, the broadcasters are saying, oh, that's a, you know, despicable, you know, pathetic penalty, blah, blah, blah. You can't let that happen. But, yeah. And then somebody broke it down on Twitter, and they're like, no, 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 no. This was done intentionally so they could stop the clock without using a timeout. He did it two years ago, and the announcers didn't pick it up then. So I, I thought that was really genius. Mike Vrabel, seriously, you know, obviously had a little bit of a coming out party. If you could have a coming out party as a coach last year, leading them to the playoffs and having that yeah. huge playoff run, beating the Patriots. And then this year, starting the year off undefeated, really showing off a, a lot of expertise. But at the same time, it's a very simple offense. Very simple. Like It's presented as complex, but it's just a, it's just a running offense. And they, they execute it so well. Yep. And I think you gotta give, got to give a lot of credit to Vrabel. Seriously, I can't talk, man. I, know, I had an early morning. I, probably I, the mask. The mask, that's probably what it is. Definitely the mask. Wearing the mask to, uh, to, to speak today. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's definitely that too. It's restricting my my jaw movement, which is then causing my thoughts to not be able to, you know, correspond with my mouth at the same rate. And I, I think that's a little bit of a problem. It's all Donahue's fault. It's all because he's here. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Connor Donahue making me. You know, obviously we would be wearing masks if you and I were in the same yeah, studio, yeah, yeah. Zach. But yeah, the fact that Donahue is shadowing, we have to make sure that we're both wearing masks in here. Zach is in the other booth. Um, but yeah, it's okay, buddy. Good to have you here. You know, especially, you know, as a Giants fan, we like to do favors for Giants fans because they have enough on their plate as it is. So, okay. Uh, Anyway, uh, speaking of the NFC East, Cowboys, they got demolished by the Cardinals. Is it time to panic in Dallas? Yes or no? Um, I think so. I mean, they just did not show up. They got absolutely harassed on both sides of the ball by the Arizona Cardinals. I I mean, the Cardinals have a solid defensive unit, but I didn't expect them. I thought Andy Dalton was more capable of um, – I thought he was capable of more than what he showed. And obviously the, the turnovers by Ezekiel Elliott was probably the the difference in the game. Uh, the Cardinals scored both – I think it was their first two touchdowns they scored off those Zeke Elliott fumbles, um, and that just gave them – all the momentum in the world, and Dallas already depleted with injuries. You know, they just lost Dak Prescott. They're dis- dispirited. They're they're not playing well. I think that was just, I think that was just the shot in the Achilles from the Cardinals, where the or from the from Zeke Elliott, those fumbles, and you know that gave the Cardinals all they needed. For sure, uh, Connor just flashed me a, a tweet that uh, yeah, there, it was from Bleacher Report the other day where the, the Cowboys players said that. Their coaches are, quote, totally unprepared and, quote, just aren't good at their jobs. Interesting. The, yeah, the Cowboys players are apparently fed up with their coaches and we're you know, only, what, six games into the season? Wild. So, I don't know. I guess that's a good look for Jason Garrett, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, we talk about, you know, winning the divorce. Obviously, Jason Garrett is nowhere to be found now, right? Like, he's not. He's in John. Yeah, he's in New York. Well, I mean, I mean, like you know, actually well, on a good team, yeah. Actually, like as a leading man, you know what I mean? Like maybe you know. he's not. Win- maybe he's not doing well. He still got his clapping. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he still got <laughs> Jason Garrett's clapping on the sideline. Yeah. Um. Okay, we'll we'll wrap up this segment with uh, Tua, Tua Tagovailoa, Tua officially named the starter in Miami. Too early, too late. They they have a bye week this week, so have some time to you know transition into it, get some reps as the starter in practice, and then he'll be a full go getting that starting snap on Sunday the 1st, November 1st? 
Yeah. I'm not sure. Not this Sunday, next Sunday. I think so. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick found out that he was benched and, you know, he said it was heartbreaking for him. I saw that today. I think yeah. at the same time, you kind of knew it was coming, right? Like, you know, Tua had to be the starter at some point. Do you think it was the right time to, to bring him in, especially considering the bye week is coming up? Yeah. I mean, uh, in hindsight, looking at it, I think they probably had the bye week in mind all this time. Um, and I don't think they would play him if they didn't think he was ready. Um, I think, I mean, they got to believe he's ready. And, and with Tua... You, you play him because you believe in the ceiling. You believe in his ceiling. Ryan Fitzpatrick can only – I mean, he's a, he's a great guy. He's done a lot. He's been a blessing for a lot of teams, you know, in terms of leadership. And he's been a, he's been a solid quarterback. He's put up some impressive numbers throughout his career. But you can only go so far with him. So I think it is – it was a logical time to, to play Tua, especially the Dolphins. You know, they're – I think they're 3-3, three and three, a game out of first place in that division – I don't want to get ahead of myself saying they're they're a playoff team, but I mean they're in contention right now. Um, but yeah, I mean I'm super excited to to see him play. Uh, I've I've been kind of vouching for him. I've been wanting to see him play all, all this year. It just make it does make me a little nervous. He's coming back versus Aaron Donald and the Rams in that potent, dangerous defensive line and in the, in, in the Dolphin, Dolphins offensive line hasn't been it's been pretty subpar this year so in in the, in the injury department it makes me a little little queasy he just got to get the ball out quick a little queasy i mean that would just be that would just be heartbreaking if he that would be got bad. hurt again i mean i'm i'm optimistic i am too i'm optimistic definitely but i mean you talk about his injuries for like a year yeah and you can't really Dude. it's going to stick with you the narrative I would love to see a Tua Mike Gesicki connection at some point because I think it is November first. Because let's see, yeah, October thirty first is the Saturday, so that next day would be the the first of November. Yeah, November first, Dolphins Rams. I would love to see Mike Gesicki. Doesn't have to be a touchdown, just a nice oh, yeah. solid dart across the field to Gesicki, who, by the way, one of the most unpredictable players I've ever had in fantasy. <laughs> You know, we'll, we'll score, you know, uh, have like 130 yards one week, and then the next week he doesn't register a single catch. I'm like, what is going on? But that's besides the point. That's the end of the uh, the NFL speed round. Took a little bit more time this time, but still relatively speedy. We'll come back for a final send-off, sign-off, whatever you want to call it, and we'll have some uh, some stories that we found in the news today and this week that we just want to air some grievances about or discuss. We'll talk about it. Fun, light ending to the show. You're listening to No Boundaries right here on Com Radio. We are stronger, Lions Pride. Stand together, blue and white. Lions Pride, show the world your Penn State side. Lions Pride, you're living, you're loving Lions Pride. Lions Pride, locally owned and operated in downtown State College since 1976, offers everything Penn State for every Penn Stater. At Lions Pride, we are Penn State. No matter what sport it is, professional or college, listen to it here on more sports on the one and only Com Radio. Tune in every Friday, 12 to 1 p.m. Eastern Time 
on Com Radio. I like it, Kaji. And we're back here on No Boundaries. I couldn't get my mic to work there for a second. We're here on No Boundaries. Final segment. Talking about some weird stories that we saw in the news. Zach Donaldson, veteran newsman over there. I will pitch it to you. That's me. Um, <laughs> I saw one. It was a top trend on Twitter this morning, and I thought it would be perfect for this segment. Um, so Bryce Hall. <laughs> famous. This was wild. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Famous or infamous TikTok star, whatever even that is, um, got into a, a – a vicious brawl at a restaurant because he wouldn't stop vaping. (laughs) There were some reports that said he was vaping in the face of the servers. Um, And I couldn't do anything but just laugh. I mean, did you see the video? I did. Yeah, It was just, it was just hysterical. I mean, these it's, it's so funny. These, I'm not a hater or anything, but these TikTok kids, they act like they're in, they live in a world of their own. I mean, this I know this I see this kid in the news all the time. He just can't seem to get out of his own way. And I just thought the fact that, you know, they probably go around vaping wherever they wherever they please. And then one guy puts him in his place and you decide to, you know, break out in a, a, a brawl. I think someone came away with his with a broken hand. So, yeah, I, <laughs> I just thought that was hysterical. I'm always hesitant to criticize those guys. Because I keep thinking they're high schoolers just based off the way they act. Bryce Hall is 21. Like, he's older than me. And I'm oh like, I'm God. always like, oh, I don't want to, you know, hate on this youngster. But I'm like, wait a second. No, he's older than me. Wait, yeah. So, the, yeah, it's just so ridiculous. No, that's... And obviously, I, I'm not going to, you know, put myself in the shoes of somebody who has experienced fame at, like, a young age. Because 21 still is a young age. Oh, yeah. So, I don't want to say, like, oh, I would handle it better than that. But... You do have to be like, dude, come on, just a little bit. It's just so it's silly. <laughs> I feel like silly. You silly. For goose. lack of a yeah, lack of a better. better. I feel like every single time we, we do this segment, it does relate back to TikTok somehow because my next thing that I'm going to bring up does relate to TikTok. <laughs> it's 2020, man. It's 2020. It's, it's, <laughs> it's dominating the news. Uh, I saw that Zoe 101 is getting a reboot. Did you not see this? I didn't. Zoe 101 is getting a reboot. Uh, Jamie Lynn Spears, who obviously played Zoe Brooks in the original Nickelodeon series, came out with this video the other day, and it was showcasing like all the people who are going to be involved in the reboot. So they have a lot of the, the original characters. But then it just went suddenly downhill very fast. They were showing, oh, my God, you know, like Chase Matthews is going to be back in it. And, oh, Logan Reese. And Quinn Penske, like, oh, oh, my God, it's all the people that we loved when we were growing up. And then they showed people who would be joining the cast, joining the original characters. It was Dixie D'Amelio, uh, Noah Beck, who is my least favorite person on TikTok, even worse than um, I'm already forgetting his name. Uh, Bryce Hall, thank you. Yeah, I'm already forgetting Bryce Hall's name. Even worse than him. I do not like Noah Beck on TikTok. Um, I don't like any. Gigi Gorgeous, who's a YouTuber. Jojo Siwa, Siwa, however you say her name, uh, who was, I guess, yeah. was on like a, a reality show, and now she's like this crazy like, YouTuber. I, I don't know. All these people are joining this show. 
And so my hope's like, oh my god, this is unbelievable. Like, Zoe 101 is coming back to, oh no, they're just going to 2020 it and make it a TikTok show with these TikTok stars who have never acted before in their lives, have never shown any talent whatsoever aside from, you know, doing a, a dance like a thief in the night or like renegade, renegade, like it's random. Yeah, random. I'm like, motions. I could do this. I could, I actually, I did do it just like sarcastically. Like I learned like how to do a dance and I made a TikTok. I was like, this is not hard at all. Oh, like, if you put the time in, I could probably do not it. Not even like, yeah, not even that yeah. much time as Connor Donahue is, you know, hitting it in our <laughs> studio right now. It's not even a lot of time. Like it doesn't take a lot of talent. Like no, I see some of the all. stuff on there and I'm like, okay, yeah, I could not do that mm-hmm. dance move. But for guys like Bryce Hall or, you know, Noah Beck or anything, I, I could do what they're doing. Obviously, I'm not saying I have the abs. I'm not saying I have the, the hair, the bangs, and all that stuff to pull it off and, like, get a lot of likes. But the dance was it. Like, that's not talent. Like, I could do that. You could do that. Connor Donahue was just doing it. They're just moving their limbs vigorously and yeah, so stuff. I now, don't even know. Now they're getting the gang of stuff. I don't know what that – I don't know what you're doing, Connor. No, but, um, yeah, they're, like, getting offered these roles. And that's why – I don't know if you saw the <laughs> – I tweeted. I tweeted off of my laptop since I don't have my phone. I tweeted off of my laptop. I said – Imagine being an actor and working your entire life to be an actor so hard, yeah. pouring so many hours into this craft, and then these lead roles are being offered to people who twerk for a living on TikTok. <laughs> like, that that would just be so devastating. Yeah, you go to acting school, everything. You get so lessons, yada, yada, yada. Wow, yeah. I mean, it, just, right. it, just, they, it requires no talent. And it then doesn't. these people who do actually have talent and who can be getting these roles – are being passed up for the untalented people. Yeah. Awful. Shaking my head. Really says a lot about our culture, really, you know, in America and what needs to be changed. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that in 2021 we come to our senses a little bit and we look back on this time and say, hey, twerking, you know, it's just not, we shouldn't, you know, base the entire economy, base the entire social climate off of, you know, twerkers when they're, you know, just out of high school. Just my thought. Yeah. Let's talk about Indeed. science. Science? Science. Let's talk about, you know, a bunch of other stuff that matters. Poetry, literature. Let's talk about that. Let, 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 let's not, you know, let's leave the twerking and the, you know, the renegading and all that stuff in the, in the past. And, and let's, let's move forward and let's have talented, smart, intellectual people dictating, you know, what our future society looks like. Yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, I think that's that's, yeah. that's my soapbox speech right there. I think, it, I think it's because the former is a lot more entertaining than the latter. <laughs> Speak for yourself, man. <laughs> I, myself am, I myself am very learned. <laughs> I am very learned. I read a lot of large books, and I listen to podcasts about that. space. I respect that. I I'm just kidding. That. I've never listened to a podcast about oh. space. <laughs> that was just a joke. You can't. You couldn't tell my serious. sarcasm through the mask. Yeah, I can't. Anyway, we're running over time. There's nobody coming in after us, but technically we are supposed to wrap this up. So... Zach Donaldson, where can they find you? Hey, you can find me on Twitter at Zach Donaldson underscore, and make sure to follow the show's account at N Zero Boundaries. Connor Donahue, our special guest, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Connor Donahue zero zero, and also check out the Com Radio Premier League podcast. I host that every week as well. Dude, he's a veteran. I'm telling you, he's going to take bucks. your spot. He's plugging his own stuff. Um, yeah, you can find me. At Real C. Griff on Twitter. Again, tune in 3.30 Saturday, Penn State, Indiana, right here on Com Radio. You don't want to miss it. We have so much coverage coming on Saturday. 9 to 12 pregame, then a 2.30 to 3.15 insider show, Oop, which you will be on. That's me. I could have plugged that. 
and then 15 minutes, me and Bob are doing pregame, the game, and then we have an hour-long postgame show afterwards. So you don't want to miss any of it. Be sure to tune in. But for now, this has been No Boundaries, Episode 6 or 5 or 5.5. We'll catch you next week. Peace, guys.